The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Dimensions with your host, Reverend Nicholas Barrett. Our identities are not labels identifying who we are to others. Rather, they are found in God's riches, His likeness and character. We can discover our true selves and live the way He has intended for us to live. Now, here is Rev. Nicholas Barrett. Hello, it's Nicholas. We're going out live on the wonderful Voice America platform. It is 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here in Los Angeles on Wednesday, the 10th of August. I hope you're all doing great. I have a great show for you this morning. I hope to elucidate, challenge, and inspire you. You know, we're going to go counter-cultural as it's the culture that has got us turned upside down as a world. And in order to change something, you've got to counter it with something new. As if we keep looking at the same things and hoping for change, we get angry, we get frustrated, and we get discouraged. Instead, you need to put your focus on a vision that's strong enough in the present to impact your future. And the greatest thing really that will prevent that is lack of vision. That makes you tired and weary. You begin to think all the things you're doing are mundane and you just get up and go to work, get up and go to work to pay the bills. But beyond that, there isn't really more. So the human condition really is apathetic. We are looking for something different to change the present situation. But when we're not really grateful for the present situation, we manifest more of that in the future. So it's really having the vision while you don't see it and then creating it. It's the other way around. You, you don't stay negative and then try and create something different. You need to change the focus now. But I want to thank you for making time in your busy lives to tune in today. I know you're busy with many, many things, but it's a blessing to me that I do not take lightly as I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Again, thank you so much. I'm believing that nothing is by happenstance, but happens by God's divine alignment. So we're all here purposed and intended to be here precisely in this moment in the line of eternity. But before we begin, I have a story that ties in with the title of today's show. So let's get into the story. Whenever Abraham Lincoln, who was the 16th president of the United States of America, he served from 1861 until his assassination in April of 1865. Whenever he felt the urge to tell someone off, he would compose what he called was a hot letter. He'd pile all of his anger into a note, put it aside until his emotions cooled down, and then he'd write, never sent, never signed. You know, Lincoln was hardly unique. Among public figures who need to think twice about their choice of words, the unset angry letter has a venerable tradition. Its purpose is twofold. It serves as a type of emotional catharsis, a way to let it all out without the repercussions of true engagement. It acts as a strategic catharsis, an exercise in saying what you really think, which Mark Twain himself, a venerable non-sender of correspondence, said, believed provided unallowable frankness and freedom. 
In 1822, Winston Churchill nearly warned Prime Minister David Lloyd George that when it came to Iraq, we're putting eight million a year for the privilege of living in an ungrateful volcano, out of which we're in no circumstance to get anything worth having. But while it may be the unsent mail of politicians that is safe for posterity, that doesn't mean they somehow hold a monopoly on the practice. This can serve as a good practice for me or you. The moral of the story is it's best to think things through before you speak. As many things have been said in the heat of the moment that have been disastrous, they've had disastrous consequences, and we've lived on to regret for many years, sometimes for a lifetime. Sometimes we've said things in the heat of the moment without thinking because we've reacted, but it's created something that can never be removed. It, it may be a breakup of a marriage or not communicating with relatives. And Proverbs 18.21 tells us, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So the Bible's very good instruct. It instructs us because it knows us. It's written by people for us. But what you say can either impact a situation positively or negatively. And we really need to be aware of how we're acting, not only in our behavior, but in the spoken word. I'm excited about the title and message for this week. Let's get into the show. It's called Anger Remedy. Anger, pessimism, or discouragement. With these three words, I've described the universal human condition. These are all very real for us in our human state. We live out most of our lives to this scenario. What makes them so real is we often put our identity in them. If you don't need this message today, you know, you'll need it tomorrow or you'll need it next week or next month. The temptations to be angry are presented to us on every corner, at home, with our pets, our children, our spouse, a delivery that we've been waiting all morning for that hasn't turned up, a payment that we were waiting for, a check that was coming in the mail that never came, on hold on one of those 1-800 numbers when they put the music on and you look at your clock and the music comes on again and you're sometimes on hold for half an hour. Driving on the overcrowded roadways, I could probably spend the entire show giving us examples of why we should be angry. You know, these are all feelings that have been developed through our collective societally conditioned mind. They're each sourced from our mind, which is an activity. The mind is a verb. It takes information much like a camera filming a scene and plays back its interpretation. Our mind is in a constant state of editing and judging. It's from this judgment that we interpret whether something is good or bad, if it has been in our favor or not. The mind is so fast that it's always thinking and leading us like a dog on a leash. It's our thoughts that have dominion and power over us and trap us to identify with feelings of anger. Most of us go through our lives like a movie on fast forward. We just see blurs and outlines of detail. These are obscured by our mind's conditioning, which is our false interpretation of what we think we've seen based upon our previous experiences and our imposed limitations and what we've put on them. All the limitations that you or I feel are from our perception and have created a false reality. If you were truly present to this moment, each moment would have no limitations or restrictions as you cannot restrict what you've not known or a time that you've not been in before. Let me give, give us some anger statistics. Roughly 22 million Americans, that's 8.9% of the adult population, have impulsive anger issues. Road rage has surged. Anger management classes are at an all-time high in demand. Anger has surged for many reasons, one of which is the increased stress of our modern-day living. 
The demands of modern day life and the pressures we put ourselves under on a daily basis are immense. But in truth, we can say no to some of them. You know, we don't because we want to feel approval from other people. We want to feel accepted and want to please others. Let me tell you that the people that you feel you need to please to keep around are fair weather and most probably will let you down in some way in the future. They may not be around for the long run. And really, this message is for somebody. If we feel we have to change our behavior in order to get somebody's favor, then we don't have their unconditional love and we don't really have a solid friendship or relationship. They're there and there's some flaw in it. Otherwise, we wouldn't feel we had to change. We'd just be ourselves. And this could be in a marriage. This could be in a friendship. It could be in a business situation. If you find you're always the one that's there to say yes and please and you're doing all the things for that person, stop and think, what are they really doing for you? You can even write a list down and write a list down. What are they doing for you? What are you doing for them? It's reciprocity. Like any relationship, there has to be reciprocity. Otherwise, eventually anger will come. If I'm serving a husband or I'm serving a wife or in a a friendship situation, and it's all about you doing for them, it can be this, again, message is coming from my heart. This can be for somebody listening today or somebody listening on the iTunes network. We have tens of thousands of people listening to the show after it's been done on iTunes. But really, if you are running ragged for somebody and there's no reciprocity coming back, or if you're making all the conversation and they're just saying, ah, ha, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens a lot. This is why I'm giving you this message. You really have to think about it. Think about, you need to be selective with who you put in your inner circle and spend time with. But coming back to anger, the Bible is full of stories of people who are angry with disastrous results from those. Starting in Genesis, Um, Adam and Eve, their their children, Cain and Abel, their son Cain killed his brother Abel. You know, King David had an anger coping strategy. King David gave us a powerful modal for handling anger because the shepherd king was called the man after God's own heart. This is in 1 Samuel 13. He had profound insight into God's character and his nature. As a result, David responded to life situations in a healthy, mature way. When the king was relentlessly pursued by an irate king Saul, David had both motive and opportunity to kill him, to annihilate his enemy. Yet when David refused to retaliate, he spoke these words to Saul in 1 Samuel. This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not lift my hand against my master because he's the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but I did not kill you. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but by my hand I will not touch you. What this really means is he was deferring it to God. And when anger comes, it's really more powerful. Any feeling or circumstance that's greater than us, we simply cannot do it in the best of way. We, we get ugly with it. We get retaliative with it. We get vengeful with it. We get spiteful with it. We bear grudges for maybe for 10, 20, or 30 years with it. We really need to hand it over to God. And that's what David did. And that's what I do. I used to have an anger problem until about 10 years ago. And then I gradually made this change because it really, the thing that changed about me is I wanted A to be a better person. 
and started helping people. And the circumstances in my life were so hard that it caused me either to give up, in other words, to be no longer on this planet, or to go to, to God who has this instruction. And when your character changes, the way you handle things change. Yes, I still get angry, but it's not the anger that's the danger. It's what you do with the anger. Add a D to the anger, and you're just one, one letter away from being danger. Anger with a D is simply danger, but it's like anything else. You can have a 200-mile-an-hour road car and drive sensibly, or you could drive recklessly and kill somebody. So it's like anything else. God permits us to have this anger because anger shows us when someone's doing us wrong. It's an alarm signal to us, but it's really controlling it. And he, he has a lot of so many things. We're going to cover this in this episode. So many scriptures about controlling the anger. It's all about developing a control, just like eating a cake. You can eat an entire cake and be sick or eat a piece because you're in control. All of us can manifest eating a lot of cake. So I'm trying to use this as a parable for you. Anger is an alarmingly high rate. A security guard told me this morning, I live in a really nice area here in California, and I bought the, the guy a coffee and a donut in the coffee store. And he said to me, uh, in the executive play, VIP seats, these are the wide seats that recline, three seats have been gashed with a knife. And that's just anger. And where is the boundaries that we have? If it, it, will it stop at movie theater seats? And where will that go? Will that go to beating their children? Will it go to vandalizing? Will it go maybe to shooting somebody in, in road rage? We really need to put a check on it before it develops because most of these people, it's developed to be that. It's like a bee in a room. If you come back maybe a week later, there's, a, there's an infestation. It begins with a little bit and becomes a lot. That's why we have to be careful of the small as well as we do of the lot because what was small was then a lot. Just like somebody says, well, I shoot a bullet, but that's a small thing that creates a lot of damage. So when you remove God from the equation like we have as a world, I'm being very honest with this, we're, we're the most ungodly we've been. You, when you take him out of the equation, there's no way you can have a nice life because all of these circumstances, when we're dealing with them in our own reactionary human way. You know, we're created in being, which is connecting us to God and his character and likeness, which if we remain there, we'd be full of potentiality, creativity, peace and joy, the nature we were created in. But along comes life and it's many, many corridors that lead to the way we think and behave today. You know, our childhoods, our schooling, our human relationships, media and the noise of the world, all these influences are collectively pushing you and me away from God's predestined plan for our individual lives. This is why so many of us are on a 40-year plan and not an 11-day one. And you may remember that's the walk from, that they did from Exodus to Canaan, and it, it was a 240-mile journey that should have taken 11 days but took 40 years. You know, to be real, God's ways and thoughts are not the same as yours or mine. His plans for us very often are different. His timing, you know, is not our timing. He operates on seasons. You know, we're finite. He's infinite. So we're finite and we're conditioned on a timetable. From the time you went to school to right at this very moment, everything is on a timetable. Our bills are paid at a certain time. We want everything to fall into place on our timing. You know, when some of these timetables are not met upon our deadlines, we have ample opportunity to get angry. Anger is abundant because the opportunity is everywhere. We're, we're faced with decisions and reactions that are not turning our way all the time, every single day. 
And it's really, it's our response that has to change. But our awareness and our response, those are the only things that can change it because it's a natural condition. It's never going to go away, but the way we handle it will go away. This is why the Bible brings to our attention that in our human nature, our, you know, we have a quest to be right. We get stubborn. We want more. And we get prideful. We do, very often, we don't get to the promised land for our lives, which is that 11-day trip, for, until a very long time has passed. Just like, as I said, the Israelites going from Exodus to Canaan. You know, we take so long because we become stubborn. We think we know it all and we keep making the same mistakes. You know, we get angry because things don't go our way. You know, we're jealous of other people because of what they have, but we're not prepared to do what they did to get what they have. In our determination also to control outcomes or people, we get frustrated. Then out of those frustrations, we become angry. Sometimes it's better to accept you're wrong to then be open to learn and advance your life. You know, when I was able to accept that the knowledge I had was only very specific in psychology and, in the, and nutrition in these areas, you know, and I didn't know it all, I wasn't able to do my job to try and control the world. So it's very tiring. I started to get open to learn and grow and to go to greener pastures in my life. If, you re if you're really candid, a lot of your stress and resistance or anger or frustration is in wanting to be right or getting things to go the way that you want them to go. This way of living is too tiring. You know, anger can stem from many things. And a big one that a lot of us suffer from is what you think people have done to you, your childhood, your opportunities, your marriage, or just the way that you see your life and its circumstances have turned out. Very often, you know, you don't like the life you're leading, so you get angry, but the reality is you've chosen it. You've chosen to live that way, and you can actually make choices. I, I'm just being honest, you know, as I want to really, really help a few people out there. If, even if it's only one person or a billion people, it doesn't really matter. The job's being done. You know, sometimes I need to say what others don't want to hear, but what they need to hear. You don't want to hear it because it's causing you to change or challenging something, but we need some challenge to be inspired to make a change. If we said everything's great, everything's okay, put a Band-Aid on it, I could be speaking to you for 10 years. So we become angry at God because our lives have not gone the way that we've wanted. We become angry at people for the offense that we very, very often take from their words and actions. How many of us are sitting, we've been offended by parents or we've been abused, words said over us, actions said over us, because we're angry. We've taken offense to it. We haven't realized that their brokenness is mirrored on us. We were just part of the equation, but we take offense. Offense is one of the biggest causes of anger. If somebody cuts in front of you in traffic, if somebody nudges you in a supermarket or somebody cuts in front of you in a, a line in a supermarket without realizing you were there. I observe people. Being a psychologist, I observe and I see how people storm because they're, they're triggered by their reaction. A lot of times people are not even aware when they offend you. They're just opening, operating out of their brokenness. Most people are unconscious. As I said, you could probably go naked through a storm. People will not even know. Uh, they're blinkered. Sometimes I say hello to people and there's just a vacant stare because they're so much, as I say, like this expediting life. They're so much caught up in the expediency of it all, like the hamster on the wheel. Going, going, going around, doesn't know why it's going around, but time is going. So 2 Timothy tells us, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Forget it. If somebody nudges you in a store, why even bother? They may not have noticed you, they may have noticed you, but it doesn't really matter because you know it's going to produce a quarrel.
it's been a great segment. It's been great connecting with you. We're about to take a break. We're going to take a, a closer look at anger in the next segment. We've talked about the human condition in the first segment. We've talked about how thinking before you speak is important. We've talked about how we're all reacting and why the, the presence of God is essential for a better quality of living because he'll elevate you from the forest to be able to see clearly. Have a great break, and I look forward to talking to you in the second segment. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericaempowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. tuned in to New Dimensions. To reach Reverend Nicholas or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com. Now, back to New Dimensions. Welcome to the second segment. It's really great having you. I was thinking how blessed and honored I am to have you listening to the show and to be able to do this show. I mean, glory to God for giving me the heart and wisdom. The show can be listened to and any other episode could be listened to just by going on to iTunes. I know some of you are busy and you listen to the show in segments, but a lot of people visit us on iTunes. If you Google New Dimensions with an S and you'll then get to all the podcasts, you'll get to this one and all the previous ones if you want to re-listen. Um, it's an exciting period. I actually have a book coming out with an affiliate of Random House. It's actually coming out September the 6th. It's called Get Out of Mind Gel. It's available on Kindle. It's available to download. It's available on hardback and softback. And the, the book really is more of what we've been discussing, but it goes deeper. It talks about really past experiences and how to change your life and make those experiences work for you. And the essence really is your thoughts can't change your past, but they can open your door to, to the future. I'm also looking at ways of extending this ministry. I've been financing my ministry for four years. It's a large sum of money, but we're serving a big God and the purpose is really never ending. A friend of mine in England who's arranging some interviews while I'm there in December said to me, the world's in a mess. It needs you. It needs help. Anybody really who wants to shine light on dark, who wants to take the trouble to be used by God just to try and 
help the world. The world is great. It's the Garden of Eden. Everything is so beautiful. I was looking at the Rio Olympics and just the surroundings, the trees, the oceans, the mountains. God doesn't mess around. He makes things the best, but unfortunately, we mess it up as humans. And we mess it up because of our universal human conditions. We move away from God thinking it's like buying a Rolls Royce, moving away from the uh, maintenance manual and never servicing and expecting to get a good life. It's not going to work. And that's what's really happened to us as a world. This isn't religion. We're selling love, but we're selling actually an essence of getting back to how we were made. It's, it's not calling ourselves something. It doesn't really matter what you call yourself. What matters is what comes out of your heart, what comes out of your mouth, and what are you doing with your life? It's not a name. That's a condition. We want love to be our default mode. But let's take a closer look at anger. It's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, hostility, rage, vexation, exasperation, displeasure, crossness, irritation, irritability, indignation, annoyance, fury, wraith, ear, outrage, and aggravation. You know, I think we can all relate to some of those interpretations at one point. So let's examine why these feelings impact our lives so often. What is it that causes us to to deteriorate our lives? Why is it so powerful? Anger is dangerous. It's a reaction to something without a rational mind. It's a response from our past. All automotive negative reactions are rooted in our past. When we react to something in the present, the reaction can only be from a trigger that has been sourced from a past exposure. In the present, we can have no reaction, as we can have no interpretation or perception from a moment in the present or the future, because none of us have been in them before. Are you with me? So we need to refresh ourselves. 2 Corinthians tells us, therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What this means really, outwardly we're wasting. So we're we're aging, but also we're up against external circumstances that are wasting us away. Problems with children, with marriages, with drugs, whatever season we're going through. But inwardly we're being renewed because our focus is on regenerating. God is a regeneration master, the God of the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance. That's why we're here today, because if you'd given up on us, none of us would be here, because we've all made a lot of mistakes. I've made hundreds of mistakes, but I've also used them as a tool. Very often, we need the catastrophes in our life. It gives us a tremendous opportunity to seek our awareness, to seek our being. It gives you the ability to be able to actually connect to God. So sometimes we need to go through the carnage, just like a, like a diamond needs to go through a process so it can shine to its greatest. So do you and I. Why is the past such a great mirror to your present? You may be thinking this. Why is my past such a mirror? If you have an, a resonance, which is something remaining, which I'm certain that you do as you're a human, this would mean that you have stored negative cells due to past hurtful experiences or disappointments. These can be referred to as a negative pain bank. These may have taken shape from a number of things. They could have been from being called hurtful names by a parent, failed personal relationships, your first heartbreak. You know, I had many of those. Career disappointments, I had many of those. Or anything else that has not met your expectations. You know, I've had many of those. My father used to say, do more and expect less. Well, I used to do more and expect more and didn't realize, Dad, you were, you were preaching right. It's do more and expect less. But I was doing more and expecting a whole lot. So I used to do more and, and sometimes get less. So 
chances are that each of us has experienced one of these things, if not all of these things at one time, disappointments, careers, upsets, failed marriages, relationships, heartbreaks. You know, humans especially exhibit the most extreme manifestation of negative mind resonance within their personal relationships. Why do you think marriages can be so turbulent? The source of anger can even be in something as innocent as a piece of bathroom soap. To give you a, a, a reference here, a girl was made to feel inadequate when she was growing up by her father, right? She then gets married and her husband gets angry because she leaves soap messy in the bathroom, not to his liking, not in a dish. She probably leaves it in the sink like some of my friends do. The result is a husband gets angry and then the trigger is she gets angry. And so the cycle continues, trigger reaction, trigger reaction. So they both grew up in abusive homes and they continue to mirror what they're exposed to while growing up in their own marriage. So many people live this way, it becomes their default mode. They live unaware of that way. John 20, 23 really examples this very aptly. If you forgive the actions of others, their actions have been forgiven them. But if you retain their actions, they have been retained. So what this really means is when you leave in unforgiveness for what someone's done to you, you keep someone's sin or action in you, you can then turn around and do exactly the same thing. You retain in you what was done to you and you then exhibit it out of you. So they never forgave their abusive childhood, so they just simply manifest that behavior in their lives and their marriage without even being conscious of it. This is how crazy it all is. You know, that's how generational curses continue. It just manifests from one generation to another generation to another generation. But many of us are just not aware of it. Every emotional situation we encounter leaves behind an impression, just like a, a camera, a negative. It leaves behind an impression. The type of impression leaves behind is based off your own interpretation of the event, which is if perceived as negative, is manifest potentially as pain in your future. This pain then becomes stored in your body and acts as negative energy, representing the amount of darkness in an individual. You know, it's in varying degrees it may be harbored. harbored. There's an active or an inactive memory bank. The active bank is involving very recent pain, such as enduring a challenging season of life, maybe a car crash, maybe a death, maybe a divorce. And an inactive bank goes back away. That goes back to your childhood hurts, which leave deeper residual scars. Our circumstances then act as a trigger to create an action within us. So we react from an external trigger that triggers the pain body that's stored. So the amount an individual is susceptible to these triggers, these external circumstances, can vary. It can be 10% in more aware or enlightened people to 90, even 100% in those individuals who are negative and depressed. So the greater degree of your stored pain, the more you react to present situations through the stored pain of your past. To give you another example, a couple could be taking a drive when one of them makes what she or thinks to be an innocent, he or she thinks is an innocent comment. It causes the other person to explode in rage, leaving the other partner puzzled. You know, another way a person can react is to withdraw from a friendship or relationship, which is an attempt to push the other person in a passive-aggressive way, to push them away, to withdraw, not to talk to them, not to communicate. It could be... Um, if somebody leaves dishes and you get angry, they could go through the side door not to even pass the person through the kitchen. And, and these things happen. Another example is when a person leaves a voicemail for a friend suggesting they meet for a coffee the following morning, subject to his confirming on the phone later in the day. 
So the friend shows up to the cafe the following morning, assuming the other person will be there anyway. He finds himself alone. He reacts in anger and subsequently withdraws his friendship in a way that punishes the friend for the slight. It's just because the person has been made to feel diminished, unloved and unimportant in some way by this otherwise innocent situation based upon something that happened in the past. Those feelings in most cases stem from some kind of abandonment issue, a lack of attention from one or both of his parents during childhood, which may make that person extra sensitive when these type events occur. This leaves a void that if not worked out can haunt a person you know, for the rest of their life. He was probably abandoned in childhood or made to feel unimportant. And by his friend not turning up, he felt those triggers again, not realizing, and then ignored his friend for a few weeks. And this is really how a lot of us are living. You know, a lot of people react to behavior as though there is something that could be done to magically set an issue aside, walk forward with a smile on their faces, thinking that it's going to, going forward is the way to fix it. It's like, this will be like spilling red wine on a rug and covering it up with a mat and then thinking the stain will automatically vanish. No, we need to go back as what in our present today is a mirror of our yesterday. As when anything that's manifest in our present, it's always become visible from a seed that was sown in the past. Take, for example, buying a three-year-old used car. If the vehicle has been mistreated, poorly maintained, or driven hard, it'll show signs of trouble at some point during our ownership. It's the same in getting into a relationship. You may not notice things about the person initially, because like the used car, it will be polished and in showroom condition to be presented at its best. But deep down inside, there's a problem that will manifest in some time during the point of the relationship. Luke 12.2 tells us, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will be not be made known. So what this really means is all your actions shall be brought to light either in this day or in the next. Therefore, take care never to do anything or say anything which cannot bear light, but let the whole of your behavior be fair, honest, and good. This means that we, we are better to be transparent as what we cover up will eventually become exposed. So this goes for any relationship. It could be a business partnership, a dating partnership, a marriage, a relative or a friend. Time will eventually reveal the hidden Jekyll in the cupboard. If it's a Jekyll and Hyde, time will eventually reveal the Jekyll in the cupboard or the Hyde in the cupboard. Best to expose these things and discuss them. You know, you may be saying at this point, how am I going to get rid of my anger? I have this thing. I relate to what you're saying, Nicholas. How am I going to do it? How am I going to get through it? Well, the first thing you need to do is notice when you get angry. The feeling that you have may be a general pessimism, a cynicism, or you may feel, what's the point in doing what you're doing? This is because at this point, you've put your identity in the anger. So the anger is then in control of you. Whatever we put our identity in becomes our reality. James 1 tells us, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is why when we listen, we're not reacting. We don't identify ourselves with the anger. So we've got to be slow. God knew this. We've got to be quick to listen means we should be, because most of us don't listen. We need to be quicker to listen, slower to react, and then we become slower to be angry. Very Simply, if you're listening and slowing yourself down, the chances of you reacting become less. And this is going to help everybody out there. We need to not be reactionary. We are so reactionary. 
it just becomes our nature because we move away from God and then we try and do it our own way. We become separate. We become carnal. You know, we're created in being, which can only be present, you know, to this current moment. Anger is not you, but an illusion of the moment that you're now in. It's predicated by the conditioning of your mind. So in our human condition, we always feel something is wrong and that we need to fix things. As many of us, I'm sure, can relate to this. We're never happy with the present. And there is always something we want to change, fix, or that we think tomorrow will be different. If only this was not there or this was that this person was different, you know, we say to ourselves. We all get caught up in this chain of thought. And when things aren't the way we want, it could be your daughter, your son's still living at home with, with their children. It could be in your job. It could be you feel overworked and overstressed. You feel underpaid or underappreciated. All these things become a breeding ground for your anger, for my anger and our discouragement. All of these things are very, very real. So you need to raise your awareness to notice the feeling when it comes up so you don't identify with the feeling, but instead you become a spectator of the feeling. When you do this, you'll notice the feeling but not get caught up in it. The feeling will not take you. Anger and discouragement become a pattern in that they repeat themselves, in that angry people get angry again with the relevant outside trigger. And the same with feelings of discouragement. It's always an outside trigger outside of us that predicates the reaction within us. So it's outside in. But we need to change inside so we manifest something different from inside out. You see where I'm going with that? We need to, we need to change the inside, get more godly, so what we're putting out there becomes different, more loving. You know, we're not critically thinking as we put our identity in these feelings. A feeling is just that. It's not reality, but an assumed reality, an assumed perception. You must notice a feeling to then be able to separate yourself from it to not get caught up in that energy field. You know, when we adopt a mindset of greater awareness, we increase our possibility of maximizing our lives by positively impacting our present circumstances. You know, we can only do this by becoming more aware of our moods and our emotions. And this enables us to become more aware of our triggers, which limits the power of these negative internal feelings, which is your negative pain bank. So you need to work on being fully aware of your present. It's a very powerful tool to combating this inner saboteur. The battle is never what it is, but it's always the mind creating what we think it is. So how do we get into a state of being? You know, there are many ways to help achieve this, and the idea is to slow the mind down. You know, humans are known to have about 50 thoughts every minute, with the negative thoughts outweighing the positive 14 to 1. We need only to turn on the radio or the evening news to be besieged with negative reporting. So it's no wonder that we're more prone to being negative. You know, it's only through a greater awareness that we can get our heads right and reconfigure the way that we've been conditioned to think. We need to recondition ourselves. You know, the way forward is to find out what triggers you. Work through those triggers by developing your awareness of when they become present and consistently and persistently practice this until they become diminished. Like anything else in your life, you have to get over it to go, to go through it. So in other words, nothing happens when you go alongside it or you bypass it or you ignore it. You've got to go through it to get over it. And that's why the Bible tells us, be in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I mean, the, thing, the great thing about the Bible, it's the human instruction manual. A lot of us balk at the Bible because we think it's rules taking away things. Actually, it's taking away the baggage that we don't want. 
The reason why we're jacked up, angry, tired, stressed, medicating, looking for anger management classes and going loopy on the roads and cutting movie theater seats and is because, very simply, we have not been renewed. We are in this world, but we're not transformed by the renewing of the mind. So all we've got to do, really, is just see it, be open to it. It's not religion, it's love, but it's also a human operating manual. You just have to rechannel the way you think so you can then bring out something different. It's that simple. If we could grasp a hold of this and not resist it, we would then change the world. We are the change. We're looking for somebody else to change what's going on in the world. We are those somebodies. You're those somebodies. We are the somebodies who are change agents because you've come on this program. Obviously, you're looking for a change to elucidate. Otherwise, you'd be looking at the news. You know, you could get so depressed by turning off this podcast, go on to the news program, it'll regurgitate the same negativity and you'll be in the same spiral. We're about to take a break and we'll be coming on for the last segment, which actually is not the last, it's the beginning of the first, because we apply the information which becomes wisdom in our actions. It's been a blessing. I'm really enjoying this today. Speak to you in the third segment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy in your life or are you just settling it's time to speak out take control of your existence and let your life speak bart queen is the host of a hero's journey his personal goal is to help you find your voice use that voice and live the life that you deserve to live do more be more and give more tune into a hero's journey on the voice america empowerment channel live every monday at 9 a.m pacific time 12 noon eastern time you owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to New Dimensions. To reach Reverend Nicholas or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to nbarrett28 at yahoo.com. Now, back to New Dimensions. Welcome, welcome. We're on, on to the third segment. As usual, God has a hold of me. I say so much from my heart, things I haven't really planned to say in the show, so I feel like I need another five segments. You're probably saying, well, I've had enough with these segments, but we're really having a great time with this. We've talked about anger. What is anger? It's our human condition. It's having not having a God presence. Uh, our past is a mirror. If we're not aware of that, it triggers our negative pain bodies or negative pain banks, which are stored negative energy that we have internally from a past perception of a negative experience, something that's been against us. And we're now talking about, we're going to talk about managing anger 
and talk about some takeouts. So managing the anger, we were discussing this at the end of the last segment. To help achieve this, I exercise at a gym or I take a power walk or run up the Santa Monica stairs up and down. To tra- while I exercise, I get out of my mind while becoming aware of all that's around me. You know, everything becomes very clear, bright, and spacious. So by doing some kind of recreational activity that you enjoy, it'll help you clear your mind and move away from your negative mind chatter, which is always present. You know, as with any other habit or learned way of thinking, we need to practice diverting our thoughts on a regular basis. So by working this new way of thinking into your daily, weekly, and monthly routine, it will eventually become the subconscious way you think and live, just as the way you live today. So we need to exercise or help slow the mind down. Another way of doing it is becoming aware of the silence and stillness around you. It helps you connect the calmness around you and connect to your emotions. This state of awareness can be a great tool for diminishing the negative pain bank and keeping our reactions rooted in the present. We really want to do techniques that help get us present in this moment because we can only really change while we're present to this very moment because it brings us awareness. That way we can control our feelings rather than let them control us. Another way of managing your pain bank is to become aware that when your thoughts turn towards blaming people or thinking of ways to hurt them by getting even in some way. We must also be aware that when we have thoughts focused on justifying our actions or being seen as right, when we recognize that our attitude has assumed any of these elements, we're beginning to operate from our pain bank instead of our rational selves. So we must be very aware of that. I would re-listen to this if you get chance on iTunes. In communicating with other people, whether on the telephone or in person, we need to slow our mind down by putting the focus on the other person's words. Take a deep breath, slow your breaths, as this will help slow your inner mind chatter down. You know, as the mind has been conditioned by living, it also wants to respond and react. You'll now be in a better position to listen to what the other person is saying, as opposed to merely trying to get your thoughts and 10 cents out. Our minds, you know, they're swirling around at 60,000 thoughts a day. So it will always present a challenge when trying to focus on what someone is saying. But it's when we're more present that we start to listen and more importantly, hear the other person. This is the very essence of how we were created to be, at one with each other, created in God's loving image and likeness. When, you know, when you really think about it, how can we, how can we love if all we hear are our thoughts within our own agenda? Because that's what a lot of us are doing. We're hearing our thoughts, but in our own agenda. It's by separating thoughts that we can develop unity with all others, others who we encounter. We'll get much deeper relationships when we're not attached to our agenda, trying to say what we want to say, because then we'll be really hearing other people. Many of us, if, we, if we're asked to repeat a conversation we had with a friend, we'll only know outlines because we're so full of ourselves and what we're going to do and what we need to do to build ourselves and what we need to get that we've forgotten who we were created. We were created in God's image and likeness, but we've reworked it. That's why the renewing of the mind. Renewing can only come if it's been in existence before. You can renew a magazine prescription. You can renew it only if you've had it, but you can only renew the mind if you've had it. So God knew we had it, but we've messed it up through living. Proverbs 18.13 tells us, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. I mean, I was this way for a long time, um, made a change, as I say, 
It's a process. Now I actually stop and listen and I can remember the conversations I've had with individuals because I'm less full of, we need to be more full of God, less full of ourselves. So when we're more full of God, we're full of love. When we're full of ourselves, we're full of an agenda, anger, vengefulness, trying to get our points across. We get messy. You know, life becomes messy. James 1 tells us, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. Proverbs 18 also goes to tell us a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing opinion. So next time when you're out in a cafe, listen and observe groups of people in conversation. It will become very apparent after a while that most people are not fully hearing the other person or people's conversation, but are merely bent on getting their thoughts out. You know, I've been sitting in a restaurant when a group of six people sit next to me, and after not very long, it's like a musical with all of them talking at the same time. It's crazy, but that's how most of us go through our lives. We become caught up in our own monologue, solitary, isolated, and alone in a crowd. In this tug of war within our minds, it's always, it will always be a challenge to have deep, meaningful relationships. Maybe that's why relationships that are an all-time low, um, they've become the worst on record in, in recent years. Satisfaction, divorce, it's going up. Maybe that's something to do with it. It's, it's something to think about. You know, by practicing being out of our minds, our relationships can flourish to new realms and depths not experienced before. So learn to communicate to the person, but not at the person. So learn not to communicate, to be with someone, not to get them to be with you. So try and get with them as opposed to getting them to be with you. It's a big, big difference. See how that works for you. Thinking things through before speaking is better than talking at a person. Most people have said something they've lived on to regret in a relationship. Worse still, you could be saying something detrimental and not even be realizing. You know, by thinking before you speak, you become more effective. You develop better relationship skills, whether at homework or at play. So really, it's about not getting people to be with your agenda. And that's really the opposite of how we created and love means that you're there to get with a person. You actually care about their day. You care about how they're doing, not about just merely expressing your opinions and your attitudes. That's all coming from actually from frustration. It could be coming from anger. It's coming from internal feelings, maybe a feeling of, of not being valuable. So when you stop and pause and just hush from the world, you'll find that you're a lot more effective as a communicator. You're a lot more effective actually as a lover to your husband or wife, to a friend to your husband or wife. You're a better brother, a better sister, a better boss at work, you know, better employee. You will get better functioning from your life. You'll get a better quality of living. And if you have a better quality of living, you'll get a better life. I mean, it's that simple. So let's look at some takeouts. What are we going to do with all this? Number one takeout really is raising my presence. I will spend time in the conversation putting emphasis on observing rather than speaking. I'll sit in a quiet place to get in touch with my inner self and my emotions. If someone frustrates or anger, angers me, I will ask myself what I really feel beneath the anger. And I will work through that feeling until it subsides. I will recognize the feeling, but not put my identity in it. I'll remain a spectator, but not active in that feeling. I'll let that feeling diminish because all of these feelings, if you've noticed, they come about, but if you wait long enough, they're gone. Just like a couple who has extremely angry discussions. Maybe someone's thrown a piece of furniture. They come to their senses, however long, oh, I'm so sorry I did that, darling. I didn't realize I was going to do that, but 
But if you wait long enough, you won't have to make the apology because you won't be doing that behavior. So we have to notice the behavior to change the behavior. And you've got to let the feeling subside. Whatever internal feeling you have will eventually subside out of you. Number two, very important, is acceptance. I will spend five minutes thinking about the best qualities of someone I have an issue with. Could be a brother, could be a family member, or your wife or husband. I will think of something a person I know is doing that I don't agree with and then put myself in his or her set of circumstances to then get a better idea of what they might be dealing with and what they might be feeling. Very often, we're so caught up in our reaction, we don't realize what are they going through. That's why sometimes when someone does something silly on the road, they could be going Maybe their son's taken an overdose. Maybe somebody's sick in hospital. We really don't know, but we're so caught up in reacting that we'll never know. And we go through a lot of our marriages like that. We never know how the other person is feeling because we're always reacting. Stop doing that. And this is in any, 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 any relationship. Also, I will look in the mirror and describe myself exactly as if I were judging myself the way I would like to see myself. A lot of us have self-hatred. We don't like ourselves. We don't like our bodies. We think we're overweight. We don't like the way we look. And this creates tremendous anger. When you don't feel good, you're not going to behave good. And when you don't behave good, you'll not live good. So focus on what God says about you. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm created in his image. I'm a masterpiece. I'm more than a conqueror. I am forgiven past, present, and future. His grace has covered it all past, present, and future sins. We don't need to be ashamed. So a lot of us have, haven't forgiven ourselves for what we've said maybe to somebody or for the abuse we've suffered. We can even feel guilty for the abuse we've had in our childhoods or the things we feel responsible for. We feel responsible for things we've done, maybe time we've wasted or marriages we've broken or things we've said or money we've lost or things we've squandered. So we need to forgive. To forgive others, really, you must first forgive yourself. That really is the essence of it. So our struggles on the outside may distress or anger us as we feel tired or burnt out. So we really need to focus on bringing better in. Psalms 30, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may may tarry us in the night, but joy comes in the morning. So all of this, Isaiah 40, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends and the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So again, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. But the fruit, the most important thing is really the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's how you were created. It's about re going back to how you were, so your spirit, your natural default mode is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and faithfulness. So it's about refurbishing what has been tarnished in life. It's about restoring and redetailing your mind. It's really been a great journey. I've loved doing this. Glory, as I say to God, for giving me just the will to do this and the knowledge and the wisdom, but also for you for making it a very large part of why I'm doing this. I hope I've helped some people out there. Please re-listen to it. Get the book, Get Out of Mind Jail. You can just Google Get Out of Mind Jail. You can order it now. I think it's on. there's a 50% discount, I believe, for people that listen to the show. Have a great week. Remember, count to 10 every time you feel something. Do not react and then respond in a loving nature. You are. You're you're a great person. You've been created awesome and magnificent. Do not waste your life in having something that's second class, a second class existence. Go. God created you first class. Thank you very much. And I look forward to the next show. God bless you. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of New Dimensions. Please join Reverend Nicholas Barrett again next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a blessed week.